Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Well, some of you may know that um, the last few days have been pretty special, aren't they? Because what's been happening the last few days? My birthday, yes. My birthday. Not not this, uh, thank you, this platinum uh, jubilee thing. It was a little bit of a distraction from my birthday, but I pushed into it nevertheless. But it did, it was great. It's meant I've kind of had a four or five day birthday. And if you were part of it and you came and sang to me or put balloons up in my office or or d- delivered a cake in the middle of one of my most meaningful prayers. I was in a meeting and I was, pray- I was leading prayers and there was a bunch of people online and suddenly the door burst open and everybody came in and sang happy birthday to me. It was wonderful. I was very moved. My birthday actually started, my birthday was actually on Friday, um, but kind of started on Thursday um, at the village where I live. Um, they lit a, a, a beacon, you know, one of these. So I, I actually took the view that was for me as well. Big, big candle on the hill. So we went up there, my wife and I, and some of you met Leslie, she's amazing. And uh, we met loads of people in our village. Um, and uh, this lady came up to Leslie and said, oh my word, I haven't seen you since lockdown. It's amazing. I can't believe during lockdown, you were 60. And Leslie said, yeah. And she went, you're amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. You don't look 60. You don't look 60 at all. And Leslie, everyone to deflect the attention, said, but Gary's 60 tomorrow. And she said, oh, you definitely look 60. <laughs> I was like, good to see you, Sean. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I don't know about you, but um, most of us actually genuinely, we don't actually need somebody to put us down, do we? I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I, don't, I don't ever walk around going, I tell you what, I'm looking pretty good. I'm looking pretty good for my age. That's never a thought I think I've ever had in my mind. Now, the truth of it is I know Sean and she's amazing. I love her. I know, I mean, she meant as a joke. But most of us actually need lifting up, don't we? You know, we don't actually need the ego police. To, oh, you know, Sam Ward, he, he, he preached well this morning. But I won't tell him he preached well. I'll tell him, you know, he's not as good as he thinks he is because we don't want him to get a big head. Well, I do want him to get a big head. I, do, I don't want him to get a big head. I want him to be encouraged. I want us all to be encouraged because Jesus, Jesus loves us. He loves us. He thinks you're amazing and he, and he wants you to recognize your value as far as he's concerned. Um, when I realized I was going to be speaking today, I was thinking, what should I, I speak about? And Daniel said to me yesterday, you should do one of those Six things you've learned, you know, uh, now that you're 60 or whatever. And actually, it's a brilliant idea. And I am going to do that because I was inspired by it. But, but I thought, do you know what I really want to talk about? I really want to talk about Jesus. And I, 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 I want to talk, talk about the value of his word. So I'm going to speak to you from John 4, a very familiar passage. And, and just walk with me through this passage. In chapter chapter 4, verse 4, it says, now he had to go through Samaria. That's that's how that that particular bit of this passage starts. Jesus is on his way for an encounter, and it says he had to go through Samaria. Now, I don't know how much you know about the, uh, not just the geography 
of the land that Jesus walked through, but the culture of the times where he ministered. The last thing that a Jew would ever want to do is walk through Samaria. In fact, Jews would do everything they could. They would walk miles around that area. They would believe it, not just the dust uh, would contaminate them, but the very area air of Samaria would contaminate them. They would do everything that they could. And what could be even worse than actually walking through Samaria was to meet a Samaritan person. That would definitely make you unclean. And the, the, the most pure and righteous man that ever lived had to go through Samaria because he was on a mission. And his mission was to meet a person. And that person was this woman, the woman at the well, the woman at Samaria. And it goes on to say, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. The darling of heaven... The one who's been sent specifically came in the body of a man, made a decision to walk on a journey in in the heat of the day, and it made him tired. There's no sin to be tired. It's no sin to actually be worn out. But it's important that when you're in that place, you go to a place that can give you refreshment. And that place is at the foot of Jesus. But Jesus himself is tired, and he sees a Samaritan woman who'd come to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, a couple of things about this. First of all, I I sometimes think we read this passage and we think, oh, his disciples have gone to buy food. And we look down on that. And there's a a preach in that itself. But also I want you to know, his disciples were so, so committed to following the master that they did something that would in human terms, be repulsive to them. They actually walked through uh, Samaria as well. They went with him, even though it wouldn't have been their first choice. In fact, it would have been their last choice. But following Jesus meant they were prepared to be uncomfortable. How many of us are prepared to be uncomfortable today? How many of us are prepared to actually walk in the heat of the day to, to really, really make ourselves uncomfortable with the view that not only we're we following Jesus, but we might have an encounter that's not just transformational for us, but it's transformational for the people that we seek to serve. What if it's not Festival Manchester in its big glory that's actually going to um, allow people to encounter Jesus? What if it's your simple walk into Withenshaw today? Perhaps in the rain, perhaps being uncomfortable, perhaps praying and thinking, Do you know what, I should just go talk to that person. What if that is that person's time for encounter? Jesus says to this woman, will you give me a drink? This is massive. It's revolutionary. Not only because she was a Samaritan, but also because she was a woman, and not just a woman, a rejected woman. Women collected water first thing on the morning, and here was she in the heat of the day in this place, because she's been rejected by all the other women. They all came in the morning when the temperature was the coolest. For them, it was a social act. They would meet, and they would wish... um, to, uh, uh, to get walked together, but also to, to share with one another, to talk. And maybe, just maybe, one of the things that they talked about was her. 
Oh, she's not here again. I tell you what, I'm glad she's not. Flipping heck, you know. Look after your husband and girls when she's about. You know what she's like. And we've all felt like that. Maybe we've not felt, oh, I've had five husbands or five wives. And, but we've all felt, I, I don't fit in. We know what it is to be rejected. We know what it is to actually feel, I don't feel really part of this. I don't think that people get me or understand me. And yet Jesus chooses to meet with her. The King of kings and the Lord of lords chooses to meet with her. And here's some, some great news. He chooses to meet with us as well. He chooses to meet with us with all our sin, with all our messed upness, with all our nastiness. He chooses to meet with us. And do you know what? One of the things I've noticed a lot on social media is these little memes that say things like, if you, if you are surrounded by toxic people, cut them out of your life. If, if, if people are negative and they're not investing in you, cut them out. Well, it, you read that the first thing, you think, oh yeah, okay, whatever. And it would be okay, was it not exactly the opposite to what Jesus did? This woman had nothing to offer Jesus. Oh yeah, he asked her, would she, would, he, uh, would she get him some water? But that's only that, so she could realize who she'd served. He's perfectly capable of getting the water himself. She had nothing to offer him and he had everything to offer her. She was toxic. We are toxic and yet Jesus chooses to meet with us. We are um, impure, but the, the, the pure Lord Jesus cho- chooses to meet with us. We cannot do anything to deserve it. One of the things I was just saying to Sam beforehand, you know, I've been a Christian for many years and yet just this last week I've been reminded again about just how amazing grace is. It, it, like I'm not doing okay on my own. And that's not a confession because neither are you. You're not doing okay on your own. You're doing okay because of Jesus' grace, because he's prepared to put up with you. Not just put up with you. He loves you because he's amazingly gracious. And that's one of the things I want to keep traveling back to this year. Not how good we are, but about how good he is. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. Living water. That's what Jesus offers us. And uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to share your faith with people and you feel like you've dropped an absolute fantastic truth and you think, that's it, that's the one, that's the one, that's the one that's going to convict them. I've shared it, bang, mic drop moment, they're going to fall to their knees and say, what must I do to receive eternal life? And they, they just talk about something completely different. This woman says... He goes, I'm gonna give, I could give you living water. And she says, well, you haven't got a bucket. <laughs> how, can, how can you do that? You, you, the well's deep and you've got nothing to draw with. And, and what, what even is living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us a well and drank from it himself and uh, as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus, just ever the patient one and he's so patient. He's so patient because he's still patient with us. He says, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. 
But whoever drinks of the water I gave them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Um, one of the things that we did on um, Saturday on my street is we had a street party. Apparently it was for the Queen, but again, I took it as a street party for myself. It was a, and and um, the, the lady next door to us, she organized a quiz. And, um, you know, not bragging or anything, but there were only two quizzes um, over the weekend. There was one on Thursday night by the Beacon, won that one. One on Saturday afternoon, won that one. Just putting it out there. I don't know why I told you that. Why, why I told you it is because the woman says, the, my next door neighbour, she says, you too, and she pointed to me and my wife, and my son was there as well, she said, you have, it, you have earned eternal glory. And Leslie said, yes, we have. <laughs> yes, we have. Not because we won a quiz, not because we're clever, but because we know Jesus. That's, we have got eternal glory, haven't we? I've got eternity um, in our hearts. We've got this promise of a future. And um, Jesus goes on and he says to this woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on the mount nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. And then he says this, a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipper the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. I just want to pause for a minute at that. that at this, there's a time coming, Jesus says, and it's come, and then he says, now. He, 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 project, he predicts that something's going to happen, and then he calls it into being. It's like we live in this time when the kingdom has come and yet is still coming. We, we see in parts but not in full. But it is, com- it is coming and it's come now. When Jesus said now, he meant now then and he means now now. We live, we're living in the now now times of Jesus that, that true worshippers will worship not, in, not just in spirit, not in just in theory, but in truth, in revelation, they will, they will worship in the truth of the Holy Spirit and the reality of the transformation of, um, of their lives and, and what it means to encounter Jesus. It, part of the, the, our problems as believers is that we live this splits life sometimes. You know, there's whole churches that are predicated on the truth of the word that have very little to do with the Holy Spirit. It's like it's all in here. And, uh, and actually, yeah, probably the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do now? Well, he, he makes me understand this word a bit better. Well, that is true, but it's so much more than that. And then there's whole wings of the church that are like, it's all about encounter with the Holy Spirit. And very little to do with the truth of his word. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And also, by the way, as an aside... When we get excited in worship, that could well be an expression of the fact that we're worshipping in spirit. It could also be an expression that we're just fairly excitable people. Jesus knows the difference between spirit and truth. He knows the difference between what it is to be a true worshipper and, what, uh, and one that actually knows how to, do, uh, how to play the game. And by the way, most of us have been about this long enough that we know how to play the game. We know how to actually project ourselves doing okay. But Jesus always knows. 
how we're doing. And I want to actually be a person that's actually impressing Jesus much more than I'm impressing you. I also want to be a person that's actually, you know, I sometimes think Jesus is not impressed with me as much as I am. I don't come, to come here with, with a sense of, you know, great pride or even great confidence. But I, but I sometimes think, you know, I can get so bogged down in, in the reality of what I'm trying to do. I'm like, I'm just going, going. And sometimes Jesus says, well, you know, it's all right. But it's not all that. What's all that is your relationship with me. That's what I really crave. I really want to crave time with you. And true worshippers are people who want to worship him in spirit and truth. And Jesus, when he meets this woman, she says, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus says to her, this Samaritan woman, this outcast, he goes, oh, by the way, that's me. His, the revelation of who he is, he chooses for this very moment. I mean, you couldn't write the script, could you? But the good news is it's already written for us. But you wouldn't go, this is the obvious place to reveal who you are, to just one person in a, a lonely town, to somebody that's not even part of the club. He reveals to her he's the Messiah. And the disciples come back and they, and they find him talking to, to this woman and they're like, oh my word, he's talking to the woman. But no, <laughs> they had enough sense to ask it, not to ask him what he was doing because they know, knew that nev- that never went well for them. By the way, this woman, just as an aside, this woman, she's, she's often categorized oh, as a woman. She's, she's had five husbands and the bloke she's living with now is not a husband. And we look at that and we think, yeah, yeah. We know the sort of woman she was. Well, here's another potential why she's got five husbands. Do you know it was dead easy to get rid of a wife if she couldn't have a baby? You just say, do you know what? Actually, this is not working for me, and so I don't want to be married to you anymore. What if this woman wasn't the sinful woman who kept walking out on her husbands because she got a better deal? What about if she was a woman that was continually rejected? And not only rejected by men, but rejected by women and rejected by society. And the only person that would actually accept her is Jesus. And by the way, even if that's wrong, and even if she was that sinful woman, in the way that we so often heard it in church, I just want to remind you, I'm not all that. And neither are you. And Jesus still wants to accept you. And as a result of this encounter, as a result of knowing that she's met with the living Christ, She forgets what she came for. She casts aside her past. She leaves the water jar. And the thing that she does is she goes to all the people who've rejected her and said, let me tell you about a man who told me about everything about my life. You've got to come and meet with him. And on the strength of her testimony, on the strength of her transformation, people came to know Jesus. Imagine that that the first thing that you would do is think, do you know what? All the people have rejected me. They need to know about what's happened, not because of me, but because of that, because of Jesus and what he can do for them. What about if we were those people? What about if we were those people that were uh, like her that were prepared to share what Jesus had done in our lives at every opportunity, not caring about whether we were rejected. As a result of her sharing, many came to faith. They went and hung out with Jesus and they, they found out it was all true. 
You know, if you meet somebody today on the streets of Withenshaw and you, you share your testimony with them, they could be convicted um, of the sin in their own life. They could be convicted that they need uh, saving. They could be uh, persuaded that Jesus is the answer. And it is at that moment that you get to be part of some heavenly transaction. But what will be, be most encountering for them is as they continue to walk with him and find that what you said is true. Because of the revelation they get directly from Jesus, which is what happens to these people, by the way. They go hang out with Jesus and they go, yeah, it's all true. And it's going to transform my lives. And Jesus is still in the life transformational business today. He goes from a Samaritan skeptic to a missional evangelist in one sentence. And so could you. Some of, some of the biggest skeptics that we have are not the people who are skeptical about Christ. It's some of the people who love Jesus and are skeptical about his power. What, 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 I'm, what, what I'm saying here is, we, I wasn't planning to say it as you can, as you can tell, what there, there's an unbelieving world out there that are looking all over the place for answers, all over the place. But sometimes what we do is that we functionally, um, we, know that, we know the truth and we know the truth has set us free. But we think, well, I know it's set us free, but can it really set them free? Is this gospel really power, powerful enough for them? Would God use somebody like me? You know, one of my mates, I did an alpha course years ago, and uh, this guy on my table, he said, I tell you what, I know Jesus isn't true, because my wife and I, we prayed night after night after night after night that we could have a baby. And, um, and in the end, I had to sort it out myself. I, 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 we spent thousands of pounds, we had IVF treatment, and then my wife got pregnant, and, and we sorted it out. And if God was God, he would have sorted all that out for us. Really difficult to answer a question like that, isn't it? And I was like, I, so I just sat with him and just like, mate, oh yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? And we just, I just got to know him. And uh, as we went on, um, the, a beautiful thing happened was, and so often happens is, during the time he was on this Alpha course, for reasons that I don't quite understand other than the fact that Jesus is amazing, this guy got wonderfully saved. In fact, in fact, uh, uh, as an aside, what happened was I was talking about how, um, you know, that, that, that some of us have got these dramatic um, uh, testimonies uh, of what it was like before we met Jesus, the day we met Jesus, and now things have changed since we met Jesus. And I says, and some of us, it's like, and I think it's a Nicky Gumbel quote, actually, he says, it's like we got on a train in, um, in London, and we fell asleep, and the train went under the Channel Tunnel, and we woke up. And we realized that we were in France. We didn't, don't remember anything of the journey, but we are in no doubt that we're in France. I got a chance to pray with this guy, and I said, and I thought, I, I didn't know what was happening in his heart. And I said to him, what do you think Jesus is saying to you now? And he said, parlez-vous français? I was like, yes, he accepted Jesus. And, and, and the reason I'm saying that is because if you speak to Andrew now and say to him, why do you know that Jesus exists he would say my wife and I we prayed for a baby for years and we're and we've got two kids 
The whole, oh, I, we had to do IVF, that, that's just part of Jesus' plan for their lives. And, and so sometimes we don't have to overguess this stuff. We don't have to work out all the details because Jesus has got all the details. This woman is not your obvious person to become an evangelist to reach a town. And yet Jesus knows. And as a result, many, many believe. Never undervalue the value of your testimony. Part of the problem is that we have, I'm going to finish in a minute, but part of the problem that we have potentially at the message is we've got people that have got amazing and remarkable testimonies. I mean, I look around and I think, when, when, when I look around the room and I, and I know some of your testimonies, I've heard them, I'm thinking, oh, what a trophy of grace. That, that you were in that place and now you're in this place. You did this and, and Jesus has, uh, has not only saved you, but he now allows you to do this. And if I think about that, I can actually begin to despise my own story. Because, you know, I, if I'm honest with you, I was a never a drug addict. The only time I've been into prison is while I've been working for the message. You know, I, I've spoken to prisoners and I, and I thought, how do I connect with them? And I was thinking, that Cadbury's cream egg I stole when I was 15 probably doesn't cut it with these young offenders. Do you know what I mean? I, like, I don't have that story. But the truth of it is most people don't have those stories either. They just have normal lives, whatever that means. And they're saved by grace. And so I just tell them about my story, which might be boring at the side of your story, but it's my story. It's the only one I've got. It's the only one that's truth. This woman has is, is got this fantastic model, actually, of how we might want to do evangelism. There's a story of what she was like before she met Jesus, a woman despised and who'd been cast out and who'd had five husbands and was living a guy, with a guy she's not even married to. She encounters Jesus and he, he, he loves her so much he, he, he releases into her truth that other people had not yet known that he was who he was. And he valued her for who she was. He met her where she was at. And as a result of that, she went out and she began to share her faith and many, many people came to know Jesus. She had a transformational encounter which meant that her life fundamentally changed that day. We've all got a story to tell. Maybe some of you haven't lived, most of you haven't lived 60 years, you perhaps don't have as many stories as I've got. But you've got a story. You've got your story and Jesus loves you. He wants to meet with you today. And of course I know, and I'm going to finish with this, I know that most of you, all of you, have encountered Jesus. I know that if I was to do an appeal here, nobody's getting saved because you're all saved. I, I know that. But I also know that's, that, that some of us are not in the best of spiritual health. That we want to come back to meet with Jesus again and realize that to, even today, he's got living water for us. He wants to refresh us. He wants to renew us. He wants to revive us. And if revival is going to start, why would it not start with you? Why would it not start in your heart? Why would it not start today? The woman went for a drink and she came back with eternal life. Jesus wants nothing less for us today. He wants to encounter us, maybe as if for the first time. So I'm going to ask the band to come back.
And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that we meet with Jesus again. And that we... And then we're going to pray together in, in, in groups that... And we're going to minister to one another, actually. That we could get a fresh encounter. So let's pray. Father God... We thank you that you are still in the living water business. And Father, we, we admit, Lord, that, that we're thirsty and we desperately need a drink. And, and that we're dirty and we def- desperately need to be cleaned. Father, we, we, we cannot live on yesterday's water We cannot live on yesterday's encounter. Uh, So Father, we come to you humbly. We come to you as people who want to serve you. And we say, Father, please, would you pour out your living water? Father, please, would you refresh us, would you renew us, would you revive us today? We don't want to go anywhere on yesterday's water. We want today's living water. The living water that is Jesus in our lives. Amen. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.